Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon to the wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon too fast. Greg executed to perfection. Here comes Fields the other way for a foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wolf with the rebound. No good. Rebound. Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Take the center run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. To be no good. Welcome to the Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here as always with Carter Thompson and William Snow, and we are very excited to be back. Um, we are in the midst of a very exciting stretch of Ivy League basketball, as um, upsetting as it might be to watch the men, it's still very exciting um, every weekend, and we are here to give you hot takes and analysis like we are almost every week. <laughs> Welcome back, boys. Happy to be back at it. Absolute pleasure. Let's get to it. Great. So, um, obviously, men's basketball team started off in a, in a very solid place against Dartmouth this weekend um, before bringing us some more disappointment and heartbreak against Harvard. Why don't we start uh, with the positives and move on to the negatives in a minute. Um, wh what are some takeaways or thoughts from that Dartmouth game and um, maybe, maybe a little bit of optimism? Well, you certainly like how in a weekend where you felt like the Red and Blue needed to win both games, that they came out, had a really tough first game against Dartmouth, but were able to pull it out in overtime, a very gutsy victory, very solid and great performance from your best player, A.J. Brodeur. And so you walk away from that game feeling very positive, walk away feeling like this team is back, um, and it seems like, you know, maybe going into the game against Harvard, they have it figured out, or that they got a gutsy win, maybe they can use that. Um, certainly got some other good performances individually in a couple other places. Um, but those were my main takeaways from that game. Certainly, um, I think in the grind of an Ivy League season, the one thing you need above all else is you need your best player producing. Um, and especially without Ryan Bentley, who went down in the first five minutes of the season, the burden was always going to be on A.J. Broder. Um, and what a performance he turned in in two games over the weekend. They may not have pulled out the win against Harvard, but uh, 59 points between two games and 36 against Dartmouth. Uh, those are big boy numbers. So that's what you need from your best player if you want to make a, come, uh, make a run at the Ivy League tournament. Definitely. And... Um you know, AJ obviously had a career night and, and has, even when the team has been struggling, has, has generally been, been balling out this season. But um, y you obviously want a career night or you want uh, a big, big scoring outburst from your biggest scorer and, and from the, the centerpiece of your offense. But I think it's kind of indicative of what we've been concerned about with this team the whole way through is that, like, obviously they're incredibly talented. When they're producing, they are going to win games. They just haven't been consistent at all with that. And it's not just AJ, but as the centerpiece of the offense, as the guy who can put up 36 against an Ivy League defense, um, he's you know some, somebody that, that we're looking at to be like, not that he has to put up 36 every night, but um, if he's going to be the centerpiece of this offense, he's going to be probably the best all-around player on this team. Maybe Michael Wong would be the best offensive player, but if he's the best all-around player on this team, um, needs to be happening more regularly for this team to really succeed in the Ivy League tournament and um, into March. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think that, you know, in addition to that, you know, obviously he has 36 against Dartmouth, but there were also some solid performances from Devin Goodman and Antonio Woods 
um, who also got in double figures in that game. Bryce Washington added nine points. Um, and the team overall shot nearly 40% from three. And I think that that is kind of how this team lives and dies, as we are going to shortly discuss. But when you have A.J. working down low and the threes coming from deep, this team's really hard to beat. And I think that we've known that all season. So when it kind of comes together in a nice win like that, that's really what you like to see from this group. So now let's pivot to the Harvard game. Obviously, Penn lost in heartbreaking fashion in overtime. Uh, to really break this game down fully, we're going to bring on Will DeGrandy, sports editor extraordinaire and the writer of the incredible column, which is up on the DP.com uh, from this past weekend. Will, welcome to the podcast for what I think is the first time. Yeah, it's my first time. Thank you, Sam, for having me. Um, Thank you, Big Will. Yeah, so it was a big game. We knew that coming in. It was a rematch from last year's Ivy Championship. Um, Penn started off pretty strong. It was tight. It was neck and neck um, going a long way through the, uh, through the game, but Penn really had a chance to pull through in the end, and they just couldn't get a dagger. Um, and then Harvard star Bryce Aiken with his uh, pair of three-pointers to tie it up. That, that one really shifted the, all the momentum in the game, and then Harvard took it in overtime. So it was rough to watch as a, as a Penn fan. Um, and it was even tougher to report on, given that we, we were pretty hopeful. Um, but yeah, now Penn is really up against the wall, and they have a mountain to climb in terms of making the tournament. Yeah, so I, I guess the, the first thing to talk about would be, you know, obviously maybe some a, a mix of blown defensive things and also Bryce Aiken just being incredible at the end. But, but for the whole game, kind of, um, you know, you, you had... A.J. Broder and Devin Goodman both um, passed 20 points, uh, several people putting up, putting up reasonably big numbers. Like, it, it's hard to, it is, it's not that we necessarily want to assign blame, but like what, mm. what happened here? Uh, Harvard's a good team, so it's yeah. not like you need to mess up a lot to lose, but, but what would be the, the big thing that, that you saw that the Penn yeah, needed to do better? Yeah, everything was, uh, was clicking pretty well early on. Um, we had Michael Wong come in and hit some three-pointers that did well. Um, Ray Jerome even came off the bench and hit a three. Um, so it, it looked pretty good from the beginning, but at the end, um, I think there were just a, a, like a couple plays um, where Penn had the chance to make a shot and really put it away. And I believe Jake Silfie had a, a couple chances to hit a three, and he just wasn't on the mark. Um, so it was just, I think, collapsing down the stretch. They didn't have enough to get them through uh, to the win. Yeah, I mean, to build off of that, it just looked like in crunch time, Harvard wanted this game more. I think that when Penn got up six points with a minute to go, everyone in that stadium thought that Penn was just going to win. And I think that the only people who thought that Harvard would win were their guys, and specifically Bryce Aiken. He takes the ball down, nails a three, and then all of a sudden it's a game again. And then Penn can't even get a shot off in the next possession. They turn it over and Aiken comes down and hits another three and sends it to overtime. It just looked like they were more ready. It looked like they were playing with more of a chip on their shoulder because they got, for lack of a better word, punked by Penn in the Ivy League championship game last year. I think that for those of us that were there, saw that, you know, whatever it was 10 months ago, Penn was the team that wanted the game more than Harvard, and it just totally script-flipped for them in that regard. And it just seemed like when it came down to it, they wanted it more, and they got it done. Starting to look a bit like a bad deal 10 months ago at this point, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, what did they get this year? 
a target on their back where everybody wants to beat them, and the Ivy League tournament moved away from their home court. So, um, yeah, it, it was almost like the air of ine- inevitability about Penn's season has really come back to haunt them this year. Uh, everybody expected so much of them, whereas they didn't previously. They were able to play free. Um, and now it just really looks like there's weight on their shoulders. Totally. And so what does this mean now? Uh, obviously, this was the topic of, or one of the topics of your column. Um, you know, they, they don't have a winning record. They, they really needed to come out of this weekend 2-0. They're now going to be back on the road mm-hmm. soon and um, kind of have the cards stacked against them at this point. Um, yeah, so is there a path to the Ivy League tournament? I think there's still definitely hope. Um, right now they're sitting 3-5 and five in the Ivy League. Um, they have six games left, and four of them are at home. So uh, if, if the fans come out and the team responds well, there should uh, for sure be a shot. They do have to, I believe, sweep this weekend against Columbia and Cornell. Definitely getting that uh, that home win against Cornell, who they lost to on the road, is crucial in terms of getting back on track for the tournament. Then then um, they'd be five and five with two more wins, um, and then really they only they only have to be in fourth to make the tournament. So hopefully a 500 record, maybe if they can win three out of the the final four would be good. But honestly, I think all they need to be is seven and seven and should hopefully be in the fourth spot. Yeah, look, I mean, Cornell comes down, they have to play Princeton first, and then they have to play Penn on Saturday. And so the hope would be that Cornell loses to Princeton and that Penn proceeds to beat Cornell on Saturday. And then all of a sudden the two games that Penn was trailing going into this weekend are gone, and they're then even up with Cornell. And so I think that I completely agree with what Big Will is saying, absolutely must win, but, man, the, the schedule doesn't really seem to get much easier even after that. They still have to play at Harvard, have to play Yale again, I'm pretty sure we have to play Brown again, who's also currently tied with us at the moment. I mean, they just really can't afford any other slip-ups the rest of the way. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, that they'll, at this point, obviously, all the games will be games to watch, um, but especially that game on the road versus Harvard will, I think, tell us a lot about what this team's attitude is at this point in the season. And something we talked about a lot back in Big Five play, back in non-conference, um, are they going to come out of this loss? And, and is Donahue going to coach them out of this loss to a point where they have a chip on their shoulder, where they want to go on the road and they want to show Harvard, you know, we deserve to get that W before, now we're going to come to your house and we're going to get it? Or are they sitting there thinking, you know, this was supposed to be the easy season, we were supposed to, you know, we, we were thinking ahead to the rematch with Kansas um, and not worrying about the, the Ivy League that we're so much better than. If, if that is the attitude, and I have no reason to believe that's been the attitude in this team, but, I mean, they're incredibly talented. Everybody was saying before the season that they were going to be, um, you know, the, the odds-on favorite, um, or at, at least Penn and Harvard were the odds-on favorites. Um, and so, you know, but that's, that's obviously gone out the window, and I think the attitude now needs to be back to kind of what you were saying from last season is – they're underdogs. They need to go on the road. They need to play gritty, and, mm. and they need to really, really want it. And, and a lot of that's going to depend on how Donahue and the team responds to this loss in particular. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they'd be short of motivation because even from a fan's perspective, you walked out of the Palestra the other night, and you just felt like you got sucker punched. In the game. You could feel as soon as Harvard went on that little mini run to start the overtime that the air in the Palestra just was gone. There was as quiet as I've ever heard a game there, and it was an overtime game against a pretty arch rival. And so 
if they draw on that, I think that they should be fine. Yeah. But we will see. Yeah, I think it's all about mentality. Yeah, Coach Donahue was saying, like, the Ivy League is as tough as it's been this year. All the teams are pretty evenly matched. I think Penn had a, had a shot to win every game that they played this year in the Ivy League. And if they just keep that mentality going forward, play with a chip on their shoulder, like you said, I think they should have strong results coming forward. Great. I'll tell you what, guys. It's going to come down to the stretch no matter what. And there is no better way to end the season than at home to Brown. Um, every time Penn plays Brown, they drop 90-plus on them, and it's an entertaining game. So if you're in town that second weekend of spring break, you're going to want to watch a barnstormer. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously there's a, there's a little bit of a gap between the last game of the season and the Ivy League tournament, but, um, you know, we can hope that it'll not to look ahead, but hope it'll be a little bit of a confidence boost and um, they'll be able to carry a little bit of momentum into the Ivy League tournament. Great. Well, thank you so much, yeah, Will, for coming on the pod. Uh, yeah. Great to have you here. It's great to be here. Yeah. Awesome. So now let's uh, say goodbye to Will and pivot to Penn's other basketball team, the, uh, the women's team. Uh, also played Harvard and Dartmouth, also beat Dartmouth, also lost to Harvard. Um, also, interestingly, played some overtime periods. Um, a, f a few more than the men, I think. But um, You know, I'll tell you what, Sam. I object to your use of the word loss to Harvard there. Uh, I know that they may have scored fewer points through two overtime periods, but I'll tell you what. I mean, taking Harvard to double overtime at Harvard while you're undefeated in Ivy League play, and sure, you know, you come out with a loss, that really has to feel like a win if you're, if you're a women's basketball team. Because, I mean, there's still a game above Princeton and Harvard, and they look good. So at this point, they still have to have their confidence with them. You know, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you that the, the team looks great and they should have a lot of confidence and that they're undefeated in um, regulation, but <laughs> I'll tell you what would have felt a lot more like a win than the the quote-unquote win? A win? An actual win. <laughs> well, you know, you, you take what you can get. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the women's team is away at Harvard on Friday and at Dartmouth up in cold Hanover, New Hampshire on Saturday. Um, what? They were at uh, Dartmouth on Friday. Oh, my Harvard bad. On Saturday. Uh, never mind. Reverse. Um, at any rate, like the men, um, Got the win at Dartmouth. Theirs was a little bit more comfortable. Um, they won by, by 16 points um, behind some, some, some pretty big scoring numbers, especially from Ashley Russell. Um, of course, then went to Harvard where uh, people, the, uh, Leah Parker and, and Princess Aguieri had some pretty big numbers, but, but overall not, not quite as strong. And, and even through two overtime periods, that of course led to a loss. I guess, uh, any, any preliminary thoughts, especially on that Harvard game? Yeah, I mean, similar to what Will said, I mean, the team has just been playing a really ridiculously solid quality basketball. Um, and frankly, I think that we can be nothing but thrilled with how this team has been doing. I think that, you know, the real test probably will come in about a week and a half when they host Princeton here. But, man, I mean, first of all, for Leah and Ashley to have big games over the weekend was great. Princess added 19 against Harvard. He's been having an excellent, you know, last few games. And surprise, Makai um, Jones, uh, sophomore, comes in, puts in 23 minutes and gets 15 points. 
you know, maybe she's also emerging as another key contributor on this team. It'd be something to keep our eyes on. I mean, she's been having an incredible season off the bench. Mm-hmm. It seems like, you know, it's she's one of these people where it's not every game that she's contributing like that, but it is uh, something that's always a threat, and especially, you know, in, in something like the Ivy League tournament or, or even looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, that's the kind of person that you might worry about if you're, you're a higher seed than Penn is that they've got this sophomore off the bench who can drop, you know, who knows how many points. Mm-hmm. So that, that's definitely been a, a great thing that I, I'm not sure any of us really expected. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm going to, you know, really keep an eye on... <laughs> yeah, let's... We're just going to have to cut that. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Also, think, guys, guys, it's official. Snow day tomorrow. That's, that's what's going on. That's oh, what that's what's going on. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, when did we get the email for that? Uh, I got a text while this happening. Wait, no way. <laughs> Wait, can I, let me see if I can get hey, people to celebrate, like, not right now. <laughs> no, no, I'm in the middle of re- recording our podcast. Can I call you back in, like, t- 15 minutes? <laughs> okay. All right, love you, bye. <laughs> All right, the, the, the street will left. They were the ones screaming. <laughs> I believe this is my first snow day in four years at Penn. Really? really? Yeah. Wow. Because uh, my freshman year, you still weren't here yet, there was a snowpocalypse... But I was here. I was here your freshman year. Were you? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is your fourth year here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always forget that. Um, yeah, I know. I yeah, throw everyone for a little bit. I know. Uh, no, it snowed like 11 inches, but it started snowing at like 6 p.m. on Friday. And it snowed through Friday and Saturday. Dude, that was And then wild. they cleared it all Sunday. And we were like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah, that was when they built the ramp in the quad. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, I actually have a great um, picture series that I made into a gif of that, uh-huh. where Nanya is sledding down it, and she just eats shit. <laughs> she face plants into the... Anyway, sorry. Wait, where were we? Okay, we have right. to talk about this. Um, you were saying, I couldn't agree more to my um. excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> Hold on. I need, like, a full pause here. Uh there's a BYO in street office in celebration <laughs> of the snow day. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Sam. You know, I think that they should get through these two games pretty easily. Obviously, playing at home, Cornell and Columbia are towards the bottom of the standings in the Ivy League. And so, you know, maybe we just see, you know, look for a couple different storylines, but then look to see, you know, how is this team prepared to play Princeton on Tuesday? that's a pretty quick turnaround, and that's going to be, I think, the game where we're all going to be really focused and really glued in. Um, be really interesting to see Leah take on Bella Allery. Um, and, you know, we'll really see, like, what this team is made of. Clearly, they've blown all, you know, away all of our expectations so far, and right. I don't see any reason for it to stop now. And I think the, the best thing this team can do at this point, obviously, stay focused during Cornell and Columbia and not look ahead too much to Princeton, but really just... Um, build confidence, and especially for Alea, because I think she plays best when she trusts herself, when she um, is really, you know, willing to uh, believe that she is the best player on the court, which in almost every game this season she has been. Um, and and so when she goes toe-to-toe with Bella Allery, I don't think she needs to feel like it's David versus Goliath. I think it's Goliath versus Goliath, and, and uh, you know, I think the, the surrounding cast for Alea is better, and um, on any given night, I think Alea can be better, and I think I think 
this t Penn team can beat Princeton. Um, they've obviously shown that they can. They did. They did. Um, and so it's it's really going to be about that showdown, and then obviously about uh, hopefully another showdown in the Ivy League tournament. Uh, it's going to be an exciting end to the season for them for sure. But it will. Great. So let's um, briefly talk about some other sports. Obviously, basketball, um, while being very fun and exciting, not the only thing we do here at Penn. Really? Huh. Despite what you may have heard. <laughs> so uh, lacrosse was back in action this week. Um, men's lacrosse suffered a heartbreaking loss to number three ranked Maryland. Um, didn't get a chance to see that game, but from what I read, uh, they were down early, made a really impressive comeback, and then uh, lost like right up, right up at the end to what I'm sure is a very talented Maryland team. So shout out to them. Hopefully, this will just be a small dip on an otherwise successful season for them, which is just getting started. Um, and then we got some some women's squash updates from William Snow. Yeah, well, um, this weekend is the Women's Squash CSA National Team Championships. Um, and it's important to note that it is the team championships, which is perhaps why it's flown a little bit under the radar. Uh, we're quite frankly not expecting a lot out of the women this year. Um, and frankly, that's a little disappointing um, because with Reham Sedki, you've got the best player in the nation in collegiate squash on the team. But um, unfortunately, squash is a team sport where you got nine players and at least five of them have to win in order for your team to go through. So, um, you know, it, it'll be unfortunate for Reham to exit her collegiate career without a team national championship. They're currently seated sixth, um, and that'll be about as low as they have been in her four years at Penn. Um, you know, they started out really well. Um, as a, When she was a freshman, they had a pretty stacked team. She was still top of the ladder, um, but, of course, breaking down Harvard was not uh, was a little bit too much of a challenge. Um, and then it's just unfortunate to see over four years uh, perhaps the best player either of Penn's squash programs have had in their history will exit without a team title. Um, you'll have to pour one out for Reham Sedki this weekend. Yeah, and we've given Reham obviously a lot of well-deserved shout-outs in this podcast, uh, and it'll definitely be sad when we get to the, the final one. But... Wishing them good luck. Uh, wish, wish they were a little higher seated, but, but still wishing them good luck in the championship <laughs> upcoming. Also, shout out to the Penn men's squash team. They came in third in the Porter Cup CSA Nationals this past weekend. It is their highest program finish in their history. Um, they have a very young, talented team. We should expect to see great things from them in the next couple of years. Coach Gilly Lane's done a very good job with this group. Shout out to my man, Kareem. Um, senior helped lead the team this past season. Um, fantastic performance from them. Couldn't be happier for them. Great group. Totally. Shout out to men's squash as well. Um, now let's get into some marquee matchups in college basketball. We've got some, some great games this week capped by the rivalry showdown. Uh, Carolina traveling to Cameron Indoor to take on the number one ranked Duke Blue Devils. The line, I know we don't usually have lines for college basketball, but this is a big game and it's happening tomorrow. Uh, the line is minus eight and a half in favor of Duke, the home team, and the team that has Zion Williamson, the, the rookie sensation. 
<laughs> or the, fr the freshman sensation, I guess it would be. You'd have to but. take the line at that point, wouldn't you? I mean, Zion is Zion. <laughs> I have nothing more to add. So, so you're taking Duke and the over? I'll be taking Duke and the over. Um, and also a shout out to other former senior sports editor, Nick Bukta, who will be in attendance at the game. He's been camping out all week. Wow. That, I'm, I'm very jealous. That has got to be an incredible <laughs> experience. You know, as much as I love the palestra and I love Penn basketball, uh, that's just got to be surreal. That will be a really cool environment. I think that if any of us had the chance to go, we certainly probably <laughs> would. Um, however, I'm going to slightly disagree with Will here because, to me, Carolina is one of those sneaky teams. I picked them earlier this year to win them a couple games. People were kind of hesitant about whether or not they were good or not. They're kind of flying under the radar. I don't think that they're going to win, but I think this is going to be a really close, hard-fought, classic Carolina-Duke matchup. I think it really comes down to one shot or one possession right at the end. Um, so I'm taking Duke, but not to cover the spread. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to go with uh, Duke to win and not cover. I think, um, you know, we've, we've had years in the past, just, just during my lifetime, I obviously can't speak to the history of the two programs, but when we've had years when Carolina's been the odds-on favorite, we've had years when they've been closely matched up, we've had years when Duke's been the best. It always seems like these games are close. There, there's rarely a blowout. It always kind of comes down to the end, and that's because of the environment. That's because of how much this means. It's because the teams are... Uh, they, the teams go to school a couple miles apart from each other. And, um, you know, this Duke team is certainly incredible. They, they have these, these three really incredible five stars um, with Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, and, of course, Zion Williamson. Um, I think uh, Nasir Little, Kobe White uh, from Carolina are, are going to be, be more, more than a match for those guys. And um, while Duke will pull out the win, I, I think this will be close. Great. So uh, let's move on to Tennessee traveling to LSU in a little bit of an SEC rivalry showdown as well. Um, don't have a spread for this one, but the uh, volunteers have had a pretty incredible season up to this point. So uh, what do you guys think about this one? Well, a pretty incredible season up until last week. Uh, Carter, you remember the score from the Kentucky game? I know that Kentucky drubbed them. I don't remember the exact score, but it was at least a 15-point victory, I want to say, for the Cats. At Rupp Arena, though, um, full disclosure. It was 17 points. Um, and Kentucky, okay, sure, they're ranked number four. They're pretty good, but I really didn't think they were that good. Um, definitely made me lose some faith in the old balls. Um, and LSU's having a pretty good season themselves. They've been flying under the radar. I could see this one going either way, but I think to have to pick the balls to bounce back from that tough loss at Kentucky. All I'm going to say to this one is, oh, Tigers. Normally, <laughs> Wait, I do is not. Is that with an X? It is with an X. Okay. French pronunciation and all. You can imagine it. But yes, I am taking the tie in this one. I don't know. Something about the way that Tennessee just kind of got their teeth kicked in by Kentucky makes me feel like they're going to have to go on the road. LSU's been hot lately. They beat Kentucky recently at home as well. I don't know. I feel like this team might just have enough to beat Tennessee again, and I think Tennessee just suffers from hangover loss here. I'm going to have to disagree with you there, Carter. Um, Long-time listeners will know that in picking these matchups, uh, especially for teams where 
you know, I don't necessarily know all the players, haven't watched all the games. It's all about narratives, all right? And here we got two narratives, and these narratives are, are strong enough that you're just not going to be able to, to... LSU, Carter, none of you are going to... Well, enlighten me, Sam. <laughs> all right. Number one, you, of course, have the bounce back from the loss. This is a strong volunteers team, and, it, and it's strong in some important ways. This is, it's a gritty team. They play good defense. This is SEC basketball, all right? This isn't the high-flying ACC <laughs> with the, you know. You've got the volunteers bouncing back. They're going to be focused. They're the number five team in the country, all right? They didn't get there by being sloppy, by getting hangovers. They got there by being tough. And this is the moment where they get to say, if you're going to throw some adversity at us, we're going to get stronger. We're going to get tougher. We're going to get better, and we're going to win. The second narrative is you got a nice little triangle going here, all right? As you pointed out, Kentucky destroyed the Vols. LSU beat Kentucky. It only follows, logically, that Tennessee will beat LSU. That's, that's just pure, that's math. It's the only option. Wait, but wouldn't it imply the opposite? LSU beats Kentucky. We don't follow Kentucky the transitive property here, though, Carter. That's the issue. But here. that's the one thing they told me in fourth grade math class. I don't know. It's, it, imagine, like, three arrows. Oh, like a love triangle. Exactly. I see what you're trying the to SEC do. The SEC love triangle. Yeah. It's the a well circle of sockets, they call it. <laughs> And I think between the bounce back and the SEC love triangle, that's going to be too much for your Tigers to overcome, and, uh, and they're going to fall. But, you know, they're having a great season, uh, and, and I'm sure they'll, they'll be just fine. But. So our final matchup, ACC showdown, Virginia at Louisville. Louisville obviously famously suffered a um, horrible, I think, 23-point comeback against the Blue Devils. Um, last week and now we'll be facing uh, a Virginia team that has been playing very well this season. What do we think about this game? Well frankly I, I think Virginia's got too much swagger and too much confidence for this one. Um, despite the couple losses they've taken this season, they're still taking it all in stride. I got a friend on the team, Braxton Key, who's got about as much swagger as any man I know. Uh, even though it's a tough trip to Louisville any time, I think they've got what it takes to bring out the win. Can you explain your friends with Braxton Key? I am. From high school? Uh, yeah, actually, from, I want to say, 8th and ninth grade. He uh, was at my high school for a couple years, decided it wasn't for him, and went on to do bigger things. Wow. Shout out, Braxton Key. Shout out, indeed. I hope you're listening, because that would make seven listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, despite that... Lovely personal anecdote, William. I think that pick was quite cavalier of you. Hey! <laughs> oh, you can leave, though. <laughs> I've got pages of these. I could go on. Please do. But nonetheless, here we are in the KFC Yum Arena, and what is going to be just a tasty matchup. No! <laughs> Stop. I, I didn't mean it. <laughs> All I can say... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll probably have to edit this a little bit. <laughs> I want all the puns to stay. Uh, uh, no, not. The puns will stay. I'm just going to shorten from two minutes of like hacking laughter to just like 15 seconds and yeah. then on to the pick. Okay. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> 
you know, Louisville has had some tough games lately. They, you know, obviously squandered a huge lead against Duke, um, followed it up with a just ungodly loss to Florida State. Um, and I just think that this team probably is sick and tired of losing. And I have to believe that good coaching is going to prevail here. Um, this team's just not going to lose at home again. Um, I just think they're too talented. Virginia's a very solid team, don't get me wrong, but I just like Louisville in this matchup at home. I'm going to have to go with Virginia, uh, even though they're on the road. I think they're the better team. I think uh, Louisville is not going to benefit from the same bounce back that, uh, that I predicted for Tennessee. And uh, there's a couple core differences here. I mean, for one, they um, just really heartbreaking loss to Duke, followed it up with a loss to FSU, which is pretty indefensible. Um, especially for a team that has designs in the NCAA tournament, potentially. Correct. Um, and and I think that they're just going to be a little outmatched here. And you're right, it's going to come down to coaching, but that's exactly the problem for Louisville, and it's that they need to bring back Rick Pitino. That's what this team needs. That's the spark that they need. <laughs> if, if they don't like Rick, they have absolutely no chance of success this season. Um, and I think you're going to continue to see these sort of disappointing losses, and you're going to continue to see it against Virginia. Here, here. I guess we'll see who flies away with this victory, won't we? <laughs> now it's time for Hard-Nosed Player of the Week, everybody's favorite segment. Each week, Carter, William, and I pitch one person who we feel is the toughest member of Penn Athletics from the past week, and a very special guest comes on and decides who is the winner of our illustrious award. This week, it's Dina Illol, the um, assignments editor of the Daily Pennsylvanian. Um, if you've ever had a friend who joined the DP for like a semester and wrote a, some random articles uh, <laughs> as a GA, then they work for Dina. Way to go, Dina. Did you say that's accurate? <laughs> well, I just started this semester, so maybe now, yeah. But yeah, if you have friends who joined this semester, then. <laughs> Great. Um, very, very important work. So, um, who would like to get started? Okay, well, we'll start with the winning pick, uh, and that is the star of Penn Men's Basketball, A.J. Broder. So, in two games this weekend uh, against Dartmouth and Harvard, both of which went to overtime, A.J. Broder scored a total of 59 points. Uh, which is the most in back-to-back -back Ivy League games by a Penn player in over 40 years. So that's huge. But listen to this. He also shot 62% from the field in a game where the average Penn player shoots something like 40. So we're talking really high efficiency numbers as well. He bulldozed his opposition. He led his team to one victory, and Penn may have lost against Harvard. But his efforts overall earned him a Big Five Player of the Week, which is huge when you're talking the Big Five. Also includes reigning national champions Villanova, among other teams. So A.J. Brodeur frankly had an historic weekend for Penn basketball, and I think he could be the only pick for Hard Nose Player of the Week. Great. I will go next. Um, over on the women's basketball team, going with Princess Aguieri. She, in... Uh, the game against Harvard, which Penn lost in double overtime. She played 48 minutes, and this is incredibly impressive because a regulation basketball game is 40 minutes long. So she played eight minutes more than if she had 
if she never subbed out in a game that did not include overtime, she played eight more minutes than How that. long was the 10 game? Um, so there were two overtime periods of 10 minutes each. Mm -hmm. So uh, in total, it was an hour. She played 48 minutes out of that hour, um, which so she sat for 12 minutes over the course of that entire game. Mm -hmm. um, in that time, she put up 19 points, which was second most on the team after Alea Parker, who's the star center. Um, she put up a bunch of rebounds, um, an assist, a steal even. Um, but, but less about her stat line. To, to stay in a game like that where for the majority of the game, the teams are very close. This is a, a strong Harvard team um, that, that uh, Penn was on the road in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, to, to kind of go up and just get, uh, get out there, get physical, get uh, kind of pushed around by those Harvard bigs, um, and to stay out there for that long. I mean, it was, um, the, the next closest person was Ashley Russell, but she was only out there for 41 minutes. I mean, Princess Aguirre was putting this team on her back, um, and she, you know, she didn't go to the bench, she stayed out there, she kept fighting, and even though they came up with a loss, even especially because they came out with a loss, you know, that's, that's really the mark of a tough player. It doesn't matter if they're winning or losing, it doesn't matter if it's razor thin or if they're down by 100 points. She's out there, she's fighting, she's gritty, she's tough, she's hard-nosed. Well, those are both two really good picks. I must, AJ Broder's a great guy. He's always given me great interviews, great conversations. And Princess is truly a great friend of mine. And so both of those would be worthy picks. But there's only one correct choice for the hard-nosed player of the week this week, and that is Penn Tennis Jr. Max Canchilla. And the reason that he is the obvious choice is because he helped lead the men's tennis team to a victory over Harvard, a 4-3, narrow, as tightly contested as you can get in a tennis match. And he did it in the third set. He got the clinching point for the team. He won his first set, dropped his second set narrowly, and then was able to rally in the third set when his team absolutely needed him the most to get the point to clinch the victory over those that school up. And so they're, for that reason... They're, they're not from Boston. They're from Cambridge. Across the bridge? Uh, across the Charles. I don't like getting caught up in technicalities. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, this victory was significant for the men's tennis team because it's the first time they have won the Eastern College Athletic conference championship for the first time since 2007, which is a huge deal for their program. They are definitely on the up and up, and nothing embodies this gritty and gutsy performance more so than the victory from Max Cancillo. Okay, wow, it seems like we really have a lot of great candidates here who did a lot of great things in sports this weekend, and I guess like, I have to say, um, I think I'm going to go with Princess just because of the amount of time that she spent on the court and the amount she dedicated herself even in a difficult and very close game. I think that she most deserves to be the, this week's hard-nosed player of the week. Great. Thank you so much, Dina. Uh, any thoughts, guys? I mean, I, I certainly think Princess deserved the win here. Um, well, after that voice crack, <laughs> <laughs> I think that I'm just going to leave and go cry myself to sleep tonight. That's most nights for you, isn't it? It is. I'm glad you finally caught on. <laughs> uh, I just have a message for AJ. If you're listening to this, 
I'm sorry, first of all, because you must be really bored. But second of all, <laughs> I'm sorry that you were just robbed of the award that was rightfully yours. But I hope you won't be too upset because you won an award that actually mattered. The award of Will's affection. <laughs> this much is irrelevant, even if true. Great. Well, Dina, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. It was great to have you. Thanks, guys. Um, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, I guess I'm going to say that like I've never really been involved in podcasts before, and I don't really know that much about um, Penn Sports, but this has been a very interesting experience. I guess maybe in the future I'll be more involved with both of those things. Excellent. That's what That's we like to hear. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that. Thanks, Dina. Fantastic. Hey guys. Um, any final thoughts, you guys? Go Knowles and happy snow day. Quaker down. Happy snow day, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Good night, Canada. Happy Snow Day, Penn. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you, as always, to the Daily Pennsylvanian, the Daily Pennsylvanian Sports. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.